Welcome, fans of the best team in the land and all the world. I'm Mike Long, and valued listener, you have made the truly excellent decision to listen to episode five of the Bolt from the Blue podcast. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and now also on Google Play. We have our own blog site at boltfromtheblue.live, so feel free to check that out. Well, Blues, this week our glass is most definitely half full. And to drink it in with me, as usual, is none other than the legendary City fan, Walter Smith. Walter, how the heck are you? Truly, truly living the dream, as they say. I ended up uh, watching the game yesterday, and uh, if you can't be at the game, the next best place to watch it is in the sunshine, in a pub. Uh, I was in, I'm in Tenerife, so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to say uh, the glass is half full is an understatement. Yeah, mate. Well, it looks like someone was listening to episode four of the Bolt from the Blue podcast last week because you were complaining about Nike kits and how you'd love to see them replaced. The first little bit of news that we got is Puma are set to replace Nike in a £50 million deal, and that will bring us up to par with the other giants of the Premier League. And that's quite important because the previous Nike deal was signed some years ago. Are you pleased with that? Yeah, I mean, uh, to be fair, I was looking at the the new away night kit is probably the best they've ever done. So maybe they've gone out with a bit of a bang, but overall, you know, I'm a, a middle aged man, so I'm not I'm not too fussed about the kits. But I just didn't like the the quality of Nike, and I just thought they were generic. And just to be getting a, some, just to get something new in, and let's get it right, to get fifty million pounds a year for them to have the privilege of uh, making our kits. It all adds into coffers and it all adds uh, spending it on bigger and better players. So, yeah, bring it on. I don't know if you've seen this, uh, Walter, but there have been unconfirmed leaked uh, photos of our third kit. And I know people are interested in, in kits. That's why we're talking about it. But the third kit is purple and orange, a purple shirt with a, an orange diagonal uh, stripe on it. Have you seen that at all? Yeah, 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 yeah. There was a guy in the pub uh, yesterday I was watching the game showing me the, the new third kit or what what could be it. Your Del Boy. Your gonna... Del Boy, huh? <laughs> oh, no, no. I tell you, it's, uh, at least we're not going to... If you wear that, City fans, at least you're not going to get run over in the dark. He <laughs> should be seen. Do you like the look of it? Uh, I, don't, I don't think it's as nice as the away kit. So a third kit, you know what it's like. You very rarely get used and... You know, the sachet going across the front's nice, but, you know, I'm not a fashion designer. I'm a, a bloke from Manchester who put, it, it tends to just buy the kit anyway. But, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it is what it is. And if the youngsters like it, that's the, that's the main thing, you know. And as long as it sells, who cares? Well, Walter, before we even get on to the, the big thing, uh, we were lucky to receive a piece of very good news uh, just a few days ago. Apparently, Mr. Gabriel Fernando de Jesus has signed a two-year contract extension, bringing his deal with us to five years. Does that please you? Yeah, of course it does. I mean, this is a this is a player that any top club in the world would want. You know what I mean? And we've got him. And the fact that he's so young as well, you know, he's... Um, you know, people doubt him, and I just look at him, and I, you know, I look at that goal he scored against Southampton. Yeah, I look you at liked that one, teams. didn't you? Oh, that, that was possibly my favourite goal of the year, just because what it meant. You know, it's that almost rocky moment, as I called it before. You know, it's the, just it was the knockout punch. It was the one that delivered the hundred points, 
Uh, it just and what a fabulous, cool finish it was as well. You know, beating that offside trap and just lobbing the keeper from where he did. Um, I'm thinking the beauty of getting players signed down to long-term contracts, especially with a manager like Pep, he's got that ability to work with him over a few years now. The player knows he's going to be here. The manager knows he's going to be here. But on top of that as well, if for whatever reason we decided to sell him, he's not going to go for a measly amount. We're going to get good money for him because he's tied down with us for so long. So, you know, Gabby J wins, Pep wins. Ultimately, we City fans win. We're going to have him at our club for the foreseeable. Well, Walter, I don't know what your opinion is of the value of pre-season friendlies, but let me hit you with a few results that might put it in perspective. Liverpool beat Napoli 5-0. Of course, they were all celebrating about that. United lost to Bayern 1-0. But I guess if you want my opinion, the result that most sums up what pre-season friendlies actually mean is that Arsenal beat Paris Saint-Germain 5-1. What do you think about um, the significance of pre-season results? Well, for Liverpool fans, you know what that means. It's going to be their year. Yes, their year. <laughs> uh, I don't even know why any of us bother playing, you know, because they've, they've got it sewn up. They have. Um, pre-season is pre-season. It's not about the results. It's about getting that fitness, getting that sharpness back. It's about seeing where the land lies and a manager's got to be there and he's got to assess his squad and, you know, tweak uh, what he feels he needs to tweak. I wouldn't overread too much into it because ultimately not, there's no hunger there. There's no desire there. There's no reason to actually win the game. I mean, Mourinho was saying, you know, he doesn't know why fans actually pay to go and watch the team. I'd say that full stop about them. But, uh, <laughs> you know, on the tour in America, it's, um, no, there's not a great deal. to. It's always nice to win. You know, if you go along to one of these, it's always nice to win. But ultimately... It means nothing. Well, that's my next question, Walter. Is there a difference between the pre-season friendlies like the ones that we did in America and what is going to be our big talking point this episode, the Community Shield final? The question is, the Community Shield final, or what used to be called the Charity Shield final, is that just a pre-season jolly-up like the others? Or is that a real trophy, as Mr Mourinho would call it? It's a difficult one in terms of some fans will see it as just another friendly. Other fans will see it as a trip down to Wembley and, you know, that chance to win a bit of silverware. I find that a lot of the continental managers, especially Pep, he sees that as another trophy. The Super super Cup, they call it. Well, that's what they do call it. And it's, uh, you know, you have to... I mean, you looked at his record at Barcelona. You know, he was winning... These were counted as part of his competition, as part of his legacy. Uh, you know, the World Club Championships, you know, some people would argue that's just a, an inconvenience. Other teams would desperate, especially in South America, they're desperate to win it. Mm-hmm. So, it, again, it just depends on what your perspective as a fan and what you bring to that game when you watch it. You know, I sat down yesterday and there was a few Chelsea fans in the bar and there was a few City fans in the bar. Yeah, it, it felt not the, quite the pressure of the game next week, I, I feel, you know, when we play Arsenal, but it certainly felt yeah, I want to win this, you know. You know, I put out beforehand, you know, is it a friendly? And ultimately, some fans view it as that and others don't. So I sat there and I watched it. And as the game was going on, it became less and less of a friendly. And it became more like, yeah, we're at Wembley. Let's just uh, put these to bed. Well, let's talk about it, Walter, because I think that's what most listeners will want to hear us talk about. There was no Ederson, no Kevin De Bruyne, no David Silva, no Fabian Delph. No Sterling, 
Unai Emery was watching. Um, Chelsea fans were leaving in droves in the second half. What was your overall impression of City's performance in the Community Shield final? I thought they were absolutely brilliant. It was quite interesting. Um, there was an Arsenal fan bumped into a few years in Tenerife, and he was watching it. You know, he's an old fella. He was he couldn't believe how good City were. He was getting slightly uh, worried about uh, his uh, team's prospects for next year or for next weekend. Sorry, I can't blame him. You know that. You know the, the famous song. It could have been ten. Mm-hmm. Well, in reality, it, it, Willie Caballero was arguably the man of the match. Yeah. You know, he saved he saved Chelsea an absolute embarrassment. I mean, it was interesting to see the Napoli sort of style coached into this Chelsea team, but they're not ready at the moment. You know, they've played more minutes than City have as well, you know, in the pre-seasons. They've got a game against Leon in the week as a friendly, but they look second best. They they look like the rabbit in headlights. You know, um, the, their best two chances came from mistakes from our keeper. So, just, I mean, we'll break it down further, player by player, and but Overall, we were absolutely brilliant. Well, as you said, Walter, it was a fantastic display by Willie Caballero. Um, I watched the game for a second time today, and I paused it after every uh, key key moment. You said that it could have been 10. It could have been more than 10. I counted three three missed chances from Aguero, one from Mahrez, one from Sané, two from Brahim Diaz, one from Gabriel Jesus, one from Foden and one from Ilke Gundogan. So really, it, it really could have been a dozen or so goals. Chelsea are trying to implement Sarri's ball-playing philosophy, but it's just a wee bit too early for them. And also, I think that you don't play David Luiz in a back four. He can only really function in a back, a back three. Would you not agree with that? I made me laugh when I saw David Luiz actually starting, and I thought... I thought that's a guaranteed red card for Aguero straight <laughs> off the bat. It's, I don't know what it is. He's just uh, the kryptonite for Aguero. But every form. season, <laughs> oh, I, I, you never see it with any other player I've ever seen. It's just I don't know what it is about David Luiz. Have he said something, done something to Aguero? But yeah, he looked desperate yesterday. You know, he looked uh, out of place. And to be fair, you know, he he should be the one player because he can receive the ball and he. he he has that ability to find the pass, you know, under a press. But maybe that was the David Luiz of old, but he looked desperate yesterday. He looked uh, like a, a man shot, you know, and Aguero was going at him and at him. And that's the way to hurt David Luiz, not to give him a kick up the arse, you know, uh, or stamp on him. It's literally to uh, make him look like an arse on the pitch and just make him look desperate as Aguero and you know to be fair a lot of City players did yesterday well I think uh, Chelsea fans just to give them their due will have one thing to celebrate and that is the performance of the young guy called Hudson Odoi he didn't manage to get uh, the better of uh, Kyle Walker because he was forced inside too many times Walker knew about his threat and I think came off best but Hudson Odoi, I think that's someone that the Chelsea fans can uh, can be excited about. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I, I watched him yesterday and you, you saw him get the ball and you've seen him look, just look up at Kyle Walker and think, oh, God, why can't I be playing any other right-back in the league apart from this guy? Because Kyle Walker, I don't know a winger out in this, on the planet that's going to beat him for pace. No. The guy's, you know, he's in the team of the year last year in the Premier League. And he's just solid. I mean, 
He's intelligent. His movement is intelligent. He's good on the ball. But it's, it's that pace as well. You're not going to burn him off. Yeah, you know, unfortunately for the Chelsea youngster, he just came up against Kyle Walker, but he's going to give uh, a load of right-backs a load of problems this year. So Chelsea fans do have something to celebrate, you know, with one of their youngsters coming through. And, you know, City and Chelsea should be putting more youngsters through because they have the two best academies in the country. One of the things, uh, Walter, that you normally get with these <coughs> kinds of pre-season uh, games is that you get cobwebs and complacency and stagnation and also... I expected that to be doubled because it was blistering heat uh, yesterday. The pitch side temperature gauges were in the high 30s. Um, were you pleased about the intensity of City's play and the pressing? The pressing was there that you would normally get in a mid-season game. Were you impressed with that? Yeah, I mean, the thing that I was most sort of impressed with was that boundless energy. It was... Um, Every player in that team knows that they're playing for a place in the team. There's nobody that can be complacent that was on the pitch yesterday and just think, well, you know, I've got my place sewn down. Every single player has got to be up for the challenge. You know, and Pep spoke about this. Pep spoke about how he's got to be meaner with the players. You know, if you're going to hate him, yeah, really hate him now. You know, because he doesn't care. He's a, He just wants perfection on the pitch. And the levels that he could and possibly will take Manchester City to are just the stuff of dreams, man, stuff of dreams. So, yeah, I was completely impressed with the effort. I was completely impressed with the shape. I just thought we were phenomenal, you know? Well, Pep elected to go for the 4-3-3 over the 3-5-2. Do you have any preference for either of those lineups, or do you think that we should just be equally adept at both of them and that perhaps that in a way, is Pep's plan B to use, to alternate between those two strategies over the course of the season? Well, what, you, what you'll notice with Pep, especially, I mean, at Bayern as well, and he'll be bringing to City, especially with the fit Mendy is, there is a 4-3-3, but by no means, if you start minute zero with a 4-3-3, does it mean that a 4-3-3 is going to be there in the 30, 30th minute, the 60th right. minute? It's going to be just mix and match and... Ultimately, anything to sort of um, not confuse the opposition, but pull the opposition out of place and w leave them scratching their heads, thinking we don't know what's actually coming at us next. Is it going to be Sane flying down the wing? Is it going to be Mendy that's going to be overlapping after that? What shape should we take to best counteract what City are throwing at us? And if you're changing it all the time, you know, that's got to be a nightmare for any manager. Some City fans have been disappointed at the lack of signings, but I'm going to say something a little bit controversial, uh, Walter. I saw as many as six new signings, as good as new signings yesterday. We had Mares, Mendy, Foden, Diaz, Gomez, and even you could count uh, Laporte as almost like a new signing. So I think the whole thing about lack of signings is a little bit overstated when you see those guys playing. What do you think? Well, I think City fans are used to going out and getting big players it's always giddy isn't it you know you always uh, have that good time good time feeling factor whatever you want to call it when you see a new player the unknown sort of arrive and you wonder how they're going to adapt to life in Manchester and especially life under Pep and life being a Manchester City player so there is that excitement you know um, I mean I remember when Rubinho signed it was just you know it was like Christmas arrived early you know um, so and that's the case for many players. And, you know, and I can see the attraction in that. And I can see the attraction of 
the idea of football is if you stand still, you go backwards. So often a lot of teams or a lot of fans especially want these players. City are in a unique position where they were so far ahead of any other domestic team. Getting Mares in and, you know, watching Foden and Diaz and Laporte with the proper pre-season behind him. You know, you're not wrong in many respects. It's just we've got a net spend of what? Under 30 million. So time will tell if you're correct over the season, whether we should have brought other players in. You know, and we want to progress in the Champions League. So, again, time will tell. You don't know. I mean, Mendy went down last year. You know, companies in and out of the team. So you don't, you want to, as a club manager, you, you want to be there prepared for any scenario. And you feel that you need the bodies in the box. I mean, I find it interesting that Gomez has played four seconds of English football and won more than Harry Kane. <laughs> well, Walter, one thing, we could argue about a lot of things, but one thing there is that is beyond dispute, and that is that there was one player who was far and above the others, and I quote... Pep Guardiola here, and he said he was far above the others. There were 10 players plus Bernardo. He had that ball sticking to his foot like bubble gum, and he was a real scrapper in midfield. One one moment that really struck me uh, as I was watching the game for the second time, there was a ball that went out and got stuck at the corner flag. Bernardo went after it, and he had no right to get it, and he totally robbed Azpilicueta and then launched another attack. Bernardo Silva was unbelievable. And Walter, actually, we didn't get a chance to talk about the last friendly of the ICC Tour. and We don't really have a lot of time to get into that. But City beat Bayern 3-2. And again, Bernardo Silva was the key player in that game. What did you think about Bernardo Silva? I thought he had a game of two halves. I thought he looked far more comfortable in the middle. I thought he was... Yeah. Uh, David Silver-esque. I thought, I remember when Sarni went off and I'm sat there scratching my head thinking, oh, what's going to happen here? And it was obvious, you know, are you going to put Silver on, or Bernardo on one of the wings? And I thought his game wasn't as effective from the sides. I mean, it, it, we bought him as somebody in the middle and now we've got Mares to sort of fill that role up from. It's, uh, you know, and Sterling and Sarni. We've got that sort of covered now. So we're going to see a new Bernardo Silver in the middle and God bless David Silver, for me, arguably the best player we've ever had. But he's getting to an age, and we, we always seem to forget how young Bernardo is. Bernardo, is he 23? You know, he's only yeah. a young whippersnapper. Mm-hmm. So this is a guy we could have in the centre. You know, he could swap it with David this year and then slowly phase David out. You know, he could have him for the next 10 years. And he's a scrapper, number one. He's down to worth, number two. He just seems like an absolute sound guy, number three. And number four, most importantly, he's beautiful on the pitch. You know, what he can do. You know, he's um, he's got that vision like David has. You know, I'm, I'm genuinely excited about him playing that centre role. You know, no disrespect to David because I'd start him every day of the week. But to have this sort of chomping at the heels of David, to, to lift David and make sure that his performances don't slip. Oh, exciting times to be a blue, isn't it? Absolutely, and Pep would agree with you, certainly on uh, Bernardo's performance in the middle. He said, and I quote after the game, today the performance of Bernardo was a masterpiece. Now, we should probably move on to another player that most people would agree would almost challenge Bernardo Silva for player of the game. 
This is the Stockport Iniesta. An opener assist. Wonderful passing. A great through ball to Aguero. And Aguero tried to round Caballero but didn't quite make it. Phil Foden. My goodness, for an 18-year-old, what did you think? When you see him coming out on the pitch, he, he, he honestly looks like a boy, doesn't he? He doesn't look like a man yet. You know, he, and he hasn't filled out to have a player of that quality. I mean, if you look at all the other players we've had in recent years who've gone out on loan, or, uh, they need game time, etc., etc. You know, they're not quite good enough for that first team. This boy doesn't fit into that bracket. This is a this is a lad I argued should have gone to the World Cup. To be honest, oh yeah, I think England sort of really, really lack that kind of invention and creativity in the middle, and this boy's got it in bucket loads. And if they'd have brought him to the World Cup, what he could have done is just checked him. Southgate could have checked him out and seen how he performed. You know, in training with the other players, I believe he would, he'd have he'd have got minutes on the pitch, and I think he would have improved England's chances of certainly getting to the final if Southgate had brought him. That's how I, how highly I regard him. I mean, someone was saying he's um, the best, I was listening to Radio 5 Live, he's the best English young talent since Wayne Rooney. Oh, yeah. Now, no matter, what your, no matter what your opinions of uh, Wayne Rooney as a person and the lifestyle that he's led and the clubs that he's played for, Wayne Rooney at a stage of his career was phenomenal. And this is a uh, young Foden who's now being compared to not to him as a player, but to him as a sort of a ceiling and talent. And you, you look at the way Rooney sort of decided to go on the pop and decided to make make bad and wrong choices. You don't see Foden making those wrong choices. You see him elevating higher and higher and higher. I'm just Pepe letting this lad go out on loan. He wants him there. He wants him around that team, and he wants him performing on the pitch. And when he does go on the pitch, does he ever let us down? Well, let's move from the Stockport Iniesta to the Barnsley Beckenbauer. Look at these statistics, Walser. John Stones, 104 touches, 87 passes, 96% passing accuracy. And it was actually uh, Stones winning possession in the press and surging forward that led to the second goal. What did you think of the Barnsley Beckenbauer? The Barnsley Beckenbauer... It made me laugh. I mean, he started last season fantastic and then he, he sort of drifted a little bit after an injury. A lot of fans on social media and down the pub or whatever from opposition teams were sort of seeing him as a weak point for the Manchester City back line. You know, he's, the, he's the one that should be sort of targeted. Well, I hope they try and target him this year because they're in for a surprise. I think the, the World Cup sort of elevate rubbished that sort of theory because I think he was fantastic for England and you know he got high praise indeed and he was you know arguably one of England's uh, sort of better players that sort of get through to the semi-final I think if he starts off like he did last year and he maintains that over the over the year I think Laporte and him are going to be the two mainstays of uh, the Manchester City defence Well that was going to be my next point Walter the the partnership uh, Laporte it was Laporte's uh, 30 yard out ball that found oh. Bernardo to oh. start the move for the first goal by feeding Foden. They're both 24 years old, and actually Laporte saved Stones by blocking William when Stones played a bad pass out to William. They really look a fantastic partnership, and possibly the way forward. What do you think? I mean, some people have argued that they're too similar, and you know they come up against uh, I don't know an Andy Carroll type. Um, striker they might struggle I don't see it I just see them as uh, 
they're like yin and yang, aren't they? I mean, they're literally born on the same day. I think there's a day's day between them. And they just seem to be made for each other in many respects. You know, it's it's that long-lost love. They've just suddenly found each other and they're going to bear beautiful games and children, if you know what I mean. I think these two lads are... Whoever sort of spotted spotted that, yes, that's one part of the puzzle and he's the other part. That I don't know who spotted that at Manchester City, but absolute fair play to them. I think we're going to see the fruition of something that's going to be quite special. We can't move on without talking about Mr 9320. Let me give you a quote from Guardiola, who was speaking to the media after the game. He said, we were really impressed when he arrived. Sergio always has a little bit with his physicality. He always needs a little bit more time to bring his physical condition. But he arrived so sharp, so good. I think at the end of last season, the knee operation that he suffered in previous years with a little bit was always a little bit of a problem. But Dr. Ramon Kugot, the best doctor in the world, has made the perfect surgery. And now he feels free. What do you think? Well, uh, if I was another, if I was a Premiership defender and I was reading those words, I'd be absolutely bricking it now. I'd just be thinking to myself, <laughs> if Aguero was only half fit when I played like him last time and he bagged, he's just going to tear up this division. If that's if what Pep's saying is true, we know Pep does like to wax lyrical about um, his players, and you know, hopefully, if he, he, fully fit. Oh my, fully fit Aguero arguably the best striker in the world. I think we've got to give a bit a bit of credit to Dr. Ramon Cugat. If that's uh, what they're saying, that uh, Aguero has actually been not 100% in the last two or three seasons, Premier League defence is better, better beware. Let's move on to uh, a showcase battle between Fernandinho, the guy that we've got, and Jorginho, the guy that we wanted. My goodness... I was surprised, Walter. Jorginho, uh, although it was just a, a pre-season game, he was robbed in possession so many times. Fernandinho was slick and comfortable at the age of 33. What did you think about that comparison of Fernandinho and Jorginho? Well, if it was a boxing match, someone would have thrown in a white towel, wouldn't they? <laughs> you know, it's just... Fernandinho, for me, is a far superior player. I think the only question is, can Fernandinho... Last time he came back after the World Cup, he looked a broken man. Mm. And that didn't seem to be apparent yesterday at all. I mean, the only question mark over Ferrandino, and it is the absolute only question mark over him, is his age and that ability to play that position. Age week is in, week just out a over. number, Walter. Age is just a number. Uh, we all know. We As 40-plus somethings, we would, we would say that, wouldn't we? <laughs> I know, I wouldn't fancy shitting up and down a pitch week in, week out. I think something would give eventually. On a serious note with Fernandinho, it's the only sort of question mark we have over him. He's been so good in that position for us and so consistent. He's just that, that sort of player that, you know, they say you can hang your coat on, you know. He's going to be he's going to be putting in a decent performance, you know, and you see his name on the, on the sheet. He doesn't have bad games for us, or hasn't certainly last season. But it's, it's just that... Uh, he will need rotating and do we, are we going to bring in that special player because everybody knows if we're going to bring in one player unless it's a, an Mbappe once in a lifetime it's going to be 
an understudy or a, a man who's going to supersede or whatever. It's, it's that Ferrandino role that uh, we're going to buy, and the, the world knows it. I think what we really saw between the two of them, uh, Walter, is that Fernandinho has both aspects. He can spray the ball around nicely, but he can do the dirty work, and he can be a dirty so-and-so from, from time to time. <laughs> Jorginho, Jorginho clearly can, can spray the ball around, but I don't think that he has got the nastiness, the nasty streak that Fernandinho has. But let's move on. We also saw a guy out there who has now won four trophies in 11 games. Benjamin Mendy. Bonjour, Mendy. What did you think, Walter? We finally got a look at him after such a long time. Feels like a new signing. I love him. What did you think? Well, the thing is, I mean, for all his social media brilliance and genius, ultimately, I'm only interested in what he puts in on the pitch. And I, was, I had my concerns after rupturing his uh, ligaments that he might have lost a yard, because that certainly happened to a lot of players. But my word, he was flying up and down that wing. He was cutting, and he's got that ability and that engine that we saw at Monaco to not only bomb down the wing, but to then actually pull it back and be, you know, almost be two players. You know, he's like the flash. He's here and he's there, if you know what I mean. And it's that ability to bomb on, and then you see Fernandinho sort of takes one look, go on. You can always see him, go on, Benjamin. And then he'll sort of fill in at the back there to make sure that there's no big hole left for him. Um he looked fantastic, didn't he? And he, 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 not only did he have that burst of pace, but you've seen that crossing in the box as well. And that's only going to get better because that's ultimately, I think, what we bought him for is that, that ability to cover two positions, but then, oh, just pick a player out with that perfect left foot of his, just to rifle in the back of the net. So exciting times and yes he definitely is like a new signing this year well Walter let's try to be a little bit circumspect some podcasts that I listen to for various teams just sounds like a couple of cheerleaders and we're not going to be like that we're going to be critical when we have to be and let's talk about a few other players that were not quite so prominent now despite some lovely passes and great footwork passes out to Mendy. Bravo gives me the jitters. He always did and he always does. What did you think? <laughs> you could just see, it was weird I was sat there in, in this pub because normally you, you watch a game or I certainly watch a game I'm live at the stadium and I'm always surrounded by City fans. So it's interesting to get a different perspective when you're sat there w- with Chelsea fans in the room. You know, it was all good natured. You could just sort of, uh, the ball bounce. I don't know if it was the because it was quite strange, the, the light at Wembley yesterday. If it was in one part of the pitch, it was glaring and it was quite dark in the other. And whether he lost the ball or there was a dodgy bounce, or I've never seen a keeper misjudge a bounce like that before. But, you know, and ultimately I can laugh about it because it didn't go in. But, yes, it was a hand, you know, heart-in-mouth situation. It was uh, very nerving. You could see these Chelsea fans trying to will the ball into the net and all the City fans breathing deep trying to suck the ball out of the net it was uh, I'll tell you what it was it was a just Bravo-esque moment and ultimately it wasn't the only one no, there were two, more, two or three no, more I, yeah, I realised that there was the one where it came off his chest and came out and it was at Laporte came flying in and boots yep. the ball uh, into Rosette I'm not overly concerned because you've got Edison sat there for me again I was saying this to somebody yesterday I don't know how good Edison is as a goalkeeper because he's so rarely tested because he's 
he's just the ultimate poker face goalkeeper. You know, if, he, if the ball goes in, he's got that same expression as if we score a goal. Edison is just so cool, calm and collected and so young as well to have that sort of calmness about him. I'm not overly concerned about Bravo. You know, he's um, he did a job yesterday. But, you know, fair play to Bravo. He pulled off a, a couple of decent saves as well, which we didn't see from him a couple of years ago. Uh, as a backup keeper and the way we want to play, yeah, I'd, I'd have him there, you know, and play him in the League Cup and possibly the FA Cup but while we go after the big prizes with Edison. Yeah, we got away with it, and it just reminded me of that famous Morrissey line, I can laugh about it now, but at the time it was terrible. But, but none, <laughs> nonetheless, nonetheless, Bravo is a penalty stopper, and that's the kind of guy you want in the League Cup and the FA Cup, and so he'll do for me. But a couple of other people came in for a bit of criticism. It was good to see Leroy Sané back with the Afro haircut. I mean, I, I'm sure all of his... Uh, Female followers would agree that he looks much better with that. Slightly less aerodynamic. But um, watching the game, he had a little bit of a poor first touch and he was wayward with his shooting. Sometimes I wonder, with other City fans, is he the one that Pep talks about when he talks about players hating him? Leroy wasn't quite himself yesterday. What did you think? I think in terms of uh, other City fans speculating, if, that's, if you hate me, hate me, director Sane. Nobody knows until the 17th of August, and then all will be revealed. And I wouldn't like to speculate one way or the other. I thought he, he was the one player that I didn't think came back quite as sharp. I mean, there was one where he was sent through on goal, and it was a heavy first touch. But I'm not too fussed, because he made the run, he found the position. People forget, you know, he's a young player as well, and he was the young player of the year in the Premier League. If we, if we, if we were to sell the Oisane tomorrow, the amount of... And I'm talking top quality clubs that would be queuing at Pep's door is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So often, as a, as a City fan, we see him week in, week in, week out, warts and all. So we get to see the bad touches. We get to see every single player, and you sometimes see that you know the downsides, or you know the especially players so young, the inconsistent sides. But and then when we look at players from other teams that we don't watch week in, week out, and we see someone having a stormer, you know, we're like, get the checkbook out, get the checkbook out. But ultimately, we don't see those players week in, week out. And Sane, for his age, is a cut above. I know a United fan told me he's the best young prospect in European football. Said that to me just before the World the World Cup. I need to have him at United in, in a heartbeat. So, if fans are so, uh, uber critical of Sane, you know that's their prerogative. But you know, let's just wait and see and make a judgment at the end of the season rather than just. Uh, I won't say a hyped-up friendly, but, you know, against Chelsea in the um, community shield. Another player that we should talk about, and I think it's a little bit unfair to criticise him because he was coming back from injury, was Riyad Mahrez. He was a little bit muted, but um, he almost scored um, one or two. He had a couple of nice shots, speculative shots. His footwork was nice. He was substituted eventually. What did you think of uh, Riyad Mahrez in that game? Well, it's, it, I, I was watching um, the game with a Leicester fan who uh, rocked up to no ill feelings. He just, you know, and he thought Riyad had earned his move to, to Manchester City, as it were. And he was saying he looked a little bit off the pace, as, it, as in not quite as sharp as he did for Leicester. It was quite an interesting perspective to get. Uh, but he said, ultimately, he was saying, that guy will absolutely come good for you and be a worldie especially with the players that are around him. He said he's going to elevate He's going to elevate himself and elevate a hell of a lot, and he's also going to ele- elevate Manchester City. He said he's a wonderful, wonderful player. 
he did look slightly off it in terms of he, he had a couple of dodgy touches, but you could see that hunger and desire that Pep's already instilled in him, or whether he's got that just instilled naturally within him. That yeah, he's going to come. I've I've got massive hopes for Riyad Mahrez this season. Yeah, I would agree with you. I've got 100% confidence in both Leroy Sané and also Riyad Mahrez. Let's talk a little bit about the substitutions. We had one come on who looked like Zorro in his mask, Ilke Gundogan. <laughs> he was instrumental in the second goal. And in fact, apparently, according to reports, Inter Milan are lining up a £35 million pounds or euro bid for him. Personally, I think they should just take that and shove it. Uh, Gundogan, I don't know what it is about Gundogan. He's cut his hair and he's shaved back his beard. Doesn't even look like him anymore. But um, on the pitch, he still looked pretty slick. What did you think? Uh, to be honest, I, I, I saw him coming on and I thought, unless it had the name underneath, I thought, oh, another new signing. I didn't yeah. know. I must have missed this one. The thing about Gundogan is that isn't, we've got the best squad in the Premier League. There's not a... Uh, Another team in the Premier League, I don't think he wouldn't start for and be a mainstay for. I love having him because often when you bring on a substitute, if we've got to replace David Silva or Kevin De Bruyne or we've got to replace Fernandinho and Gundogan comes on the pitch, normally the the drop-off would be absolutely huge when you bring on a reserve team player. Right. But the drop, he's not as good as the others, but what the drop-off is minuscule in many ways. Mm. The guy can fill in three different positions and he just looks like a new man. And thirty-five million. I mean, honestly, what would we do with thirty-five million? Do you know? It's not as if we need that money. It's not as if we've gone out and spent a load of money where we've got to recoup some in. If Gundogan's happy to carry on the role he's playing, he's absolutely invaluable to us as a as a squad to getting silverware at the end of the season so we don't burn these other players out when it comes to these Christmas games. And I'm just looking at. Um, Gundawam, 35 million, not a chance. Yesterday, I thought he looked he looked comfortable in his own skin coming on and comfortable playing with these players. Yeah, and also City fans should not forget that it was uh, Gundawan who put Barcelona to the sword in that game against in the in the Champions League. I think it was the first leg game. Um, let's talk a little bit about Gabby J. Apart from a little bit of theatrics, Neymar like theatrics, when he did a few tumbles, uh, Gabby J looked pretty sharp, pretty aggressive. Did you not think? He needs to cut that out, doesn't he? <laughs> you know, what he needs to do is look at Neymar and just think. Part of my French, everyone thinks he's a prick after the World Cup, and you don't want to be going down the Neymar route. He's the one player I think whose value, one of the sort of elite players whose value and stock fell after the World Cup because he just looked like a man-child. Somebody at City is just going to pull him aside and say, look, sure. yeah. do, do that for Brazil all you want, you know, but when you're here, it makes me laugh because in, in the old days, as when we first started watching football, to be seen to be rolling over seemed like a weakness. You know, you'd get booted and you'd probably just cry on the, cry the tears on the inside. But now it just seems to be a case of, I'm almost trying, going to try and make out I'm properly injured. Like uh, Pedro yesterday, he just looked pathetic, you know. He's just uh, for Chelsea, you know, falling over at every given opportunity. Not only embarrassing yourself, you just you can get that from Mike Doyle or or De Jong no, or well, people well, like that. Where's your self-esteem? You know what I mean. And Gabby J looked, he looked sharp. He looked good. He looked like he was up for. I mean, he signed that new deal, so he wants to be at City. He wants to be a success at City. He wants his long-term future 
and City's long-term future linked together. You know, he wants to do well for us, and that's fantastic. He just, again, if he cuts that one element out of his game, we've got a player, a proper player. Now, let's move from somebody who doesn't do much play acting. Uh, Vinnie Company came on for a cameo, and my goodness, Walter, you remember that famous tackle by Bobby Moore in the World Cup against Pele? Vinny recreated that and some. That was just the most beautiful, crunching tackle that I've ever seen. Did you see that? Oh, that was my moment of the game. It reminded me of Gandalf in Lord of the Rings where he just holds <laughs> up his staff and just throws it into the ground. You shall not pass. And it was it was my favourite moment. It was, it was old school, but it was new school. It was beautiful, but it was dirty. It was... It was perfection, wasn't it? You know, I don't even know which Chelsea player it was. Which one was it? I'm not exactly sure, but um, it, I, as soon as I saw fair, it, it doesn't matter. You know, wow. it doesn't matter. It's just you've got this sort of uh, brick wall approach, and it, it was just, you know, people say the Vinny of old. That was even better than the Vinny of old. It was just Gandalf-esque. I knew you'd like that because when I saw it, I thought. My goodness, I know, Walter, you were a fan of Andy Morrison, and that's the kind of thing that he used to do. My hero, Andy. (laughs) (laughs) Let's move on to one of the other substitutes. And, Walter, when this guy came on, he was so bloody hungry. I was absolutely determined to watch every moment, and, and he looked determined to score, and that was Brahim Diaz. And every time he got the ball, he was determined that he was going to make his mark on this game. He didn't quite do it. He had two very sharp chances. But he was, I was very impressed with him, Walter. What did you think? I thought, in some respects, I was impressed with him. And, you know, his technique and his ability to shift the ball left to right was uh, second to none. But I was a little bit disappointed, to be honest, in terms of he was playing for himself, I thought. Uh, and when he got the ball, I'm, I'm going to score. And there was one moment there where I think it was Mendy should have just knocked it across to who was in a better position than he was. Mm-hmm. And I don't, the way this City team sort of set up and with the pointing at the assister and the team ethic that goes on, I thought he just looked a little bit out of kilter from the rest of the, the rest of the team, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And I thought he should have, if he'd have passed to Mendy and Mendy had knocked it in the back, or even if he'd attempted the pass, instead of just trying to take the ball from the, the, um, the, you know, the tight angle, I thought, you know, that would have been a better pet performance than what he actually gave. Yes, he did look hungry, but again, I just thought he played for himself. Yeah, he was probably looking or trying too hard to convince Pep that he shouldn't go to FC Gironi, he should stay with uh, with City this season. A couple of other players that, that came on as subs. We didn't really get a good look at Nicolas Otamendi. He had a, uh, an up-and-down World Cup, but, uh, but I thought one thing was quite funny was uh, Claudio Gomez... Now, when he was on the uh, on the sideline and he was about to ke- to come on, my goodness, he looked mean and moody. I don't know whether it was because that he knew he was only going to get a few seconds, but he was uh, giving it the eyes. He looked mean and moody. He came on. It was so sad, really, because he came on. They took the set piece and and uh, they blew the whistle uh, for the end of the game. But a bit like uh, Benjamin Mendy. Uh, of course, you got the Twitter wags immediately saying that uh, Claudio Gomez played 10 seconds and already he's won more trophies than Harry Kane and all the rest of it. He's one for the future, but he certainly looks the part with that grill, doesn't he? Well, it's, it's hard to know, isn't it? I mean, the thing is, 
he, he may have just had his resting bitch face on. You know, he's probably got that much going through his head. He's not overly concerned about, you know, trying to look mean and moody. He's probably been given. Can you imagine Pep whispering in your ear all the things he wants you to do and then send you on the pitch? Mm. You'd be like, you know, and you've not trained with Pep for that long. You'd be thinking to yourself, oh, my, there's about seven million instructions I've just been given. Right, I'm on. And then the whistle goes. So it's you can't judge it at all, can you? You know, it's absolutely one for the future. Well, I think we should probably um, bring a conversation about the game to an end and just move on to a few final extras, Walter. Apparently, um, we talked about this a little bit last week, the reports are from Simon Mullock. Uh, some people regard him as a, a very reliable journalist when it comes to all things Man City. The thing that's holding up Raheem uh, imitating Gabriel Jesus is that he wants, and I quote, parity of salary with Kevin De Bruyne and Sergio Aguero. He's got two years left on his contract. Uh, City, normally in these situations, teams, they don't like to, to let it go down to one year because then there's a threat of leaving for a free. And so some people are saying, well... After one more year, maybe City will sell him. But that's what he wants, Walter. He wants to have an equal amount of salary or a comparable amount of salary to Kevin De Bruyne and Sergio Aguero, according to Mr. Mullock. What do you think? Uh, I wouldn't put him in the same category or class as uh, the other two players that you mentioned. Um, I find it interesting. Kevin De Bruyne apparently gets paid in euros. But... um, it's a, it's a difficult one in terms of... I, I think Raheem Sterling is an incredibly intelligent player and this is a player that scored 20 goals, was it, in, for us last year. So we're talking about a guy who's quality and he, he also fulfils that homegrown quota as well. I would trust the club to do the right decision. If the, if the club think, hang on a minute, this guy is going to go down to a year because we're not going to get rid of him in the next few days. You give him to the end of the season to sign a new contract if he's happy with the terms and if he's not, Ultimately, it's like, well, thanks very much for the memories, Raheem. We're probably going to let you go this summer because we need to get something in for you and replace you. You know, we need to sell you in order to raise the funds or whatever to go out and get another player in. But, you know, he's, Raheem Sterling, is, for me, he was the best young player, by the way. I thought, he had a better, I thought he had a better season than Sane. I think Sane's got a higher ceiling to him, but I think Sterling produced better last year. So I was, uh, but he's never going to get the PFA player, young player of the year, is he? He's not uh, popular enough with uh, <laughs> with anybody outside of uh, City, apparently. But um, I trust the club to do the right thing on this one. Yeah, I think the message from the Bolt from the Blue podcast to Mr. Sterling is: no player is bigger than the club, and you've got the chance to play with the greatest manager in the world. So be very careful about this game that you're playing. Now, let's play a game uh, right now, Walter. Let's play the game of who is the mystery midfielder. Because we had uh, Sam Lee, the lovely Sam Lee, uh, on Twitter. And he made this post. And I'm going to read it to you. He says, Manchester City are almost certainly working on a new midfielder in the final days of the transfer window. And he quotes Guardiola saying... We would like to find maybe one more because we don't have player who can substitute for Fernandinho. If he doesn't come, then we will stay as we are. And then Sam Lee asked him, are you close? Are you close? And Guardiola says, I don't know. In four or five days, we will know it. 
Some people are speculating on Julian Weigel. Is there any point to play this game? And do you believe, Mr. Sam Lee, that City will make a signing before the end of the window? Ooh, that was a quote within a quote, wasn't it? Um, ultimately, I think Pep knows that he needs... I mean, as I said to you, if, um, if there's one position that needs strengthening, the world knows it. It's, uh, it's to compete with Fernandinho in that role. Um, again, if Sam Lee doesn't know, and if Pep says he doesn't know, I certainly don't know either who it could be. I quite like the fact that I don't know that either. It's, it's, I like a bit of this uh, cloak and dagger approach. The City seems to have advertised their targets over the last few years. The last surprise I've seen rocking up at our place was Bernardo Silva. Yep. You know, that just came absolutely out. That was a bolt from the blue. Yeah. But um, again, who it could be. I mean, there's only a small selection of players that it could be. It's like Christmas, this. Let's not peek under the wrapping paper. Let's wait till the final day of the transfer window and let's see who we're going to be bringing in. Nice if it doesn't one. happen, eh, you know, it doesn't happen. But if it does happen, let's rip that paper off. And, it's, you know, that's a that's a, an incredible... It's a, it's, a, it's a buzz before the Arsenal game and it's a buzz getting in new players just to, to create that competition that, you know, ultimately in that one position, just that one position on the pitch that we need. Yeah, and just to finish off that uh, conversation between Sam Lee and uh, Guardiola, Guardiola told uh, Sam Lee when he suggested, when Sam suggested that maybe John Stones could play the role, uh, Pep said, if no other player arrives, I have to find a solution and maybe he can play there. So maybe that's a possibility. Before we, um, as we seek to round up the the podcast for episode five, we should talk a little bit about outgoings because... Uh, Walter, there are now a number of confirmed outgoings, and the first uh, confirmed one is uh, Joe Hart to Burnley. And that disappoints, I think esteemed company was saying it would disappoint him if Hart went to Burnley. But according to the the Mirror, uh, Hart's uh, switch to Burnley has been enabled by City giving him a golden handshake, paying him a sum of money to compensate for the pay cut that he's going to take when he completes his £4 million move to Burnley. City had been short on bids for Hart, but injuries to uh, Burnley's England goalkeepers Tom Heaton and Nick Pope have left uh, Sean Dyche desperate for a goalkeeper. This is now pretty much confirmed. Hart is, at the moment, or if he has not already done so, having a medical Joe Hart to Burnley. That's uh, that's pretty much confirmed. What do you think, Walter? I think it's a bit of a strange one. Um, I can see absolutely why. I mean, at the end of the day, he'd probably still live in Manchester. He'd probably still hang out with the City players. He probably won't have to move house. You know, Burnley's not that far away. But I'd question Joe Hart in terms of once Heaton and Pope are back, is he going to be a third-choice keeper at Burnley instead exactly. of a third-choice keeper at City? So... What Dice just said to him, I don't know, obviously. But uh, it does, for me, Joe Hart needs to go. He needs to find a new club. He needs he needs a club where he's going to start. And he needs to almost build that reputation up again that he had when he was at City. Because if you remember rightly, when, when City let him go initially to Italy on loan, he was uh, England's number one. He was confident. He was um, this this guy who seemed almost unshakable, like a rock. You know, he lacked that sort of uh, technical ability with his feet, but as a shot stopper, etc. 
you know, there weren't many better, there certainly wasn't any better English, any better goalkeepers that were English. But now, you know, two years down the line, he's not made the World Cup. He couldn't make a, a decent fist of it uh, in Italy. He couldn't make a decent fist of it at West Ham. You know, clubs like Burnley, no disrespect to Burnley, but they're a tear down, aren't they? Uh, are coming in for him. You know, there's no. When there was talk of Liverpool coming in from at one point because they were trying to buy goalkeepers, and you could see that at the time. But Joe Hart needs to move on, but he needs to move on to a place where what's best for Joe Hart's career in the long run. And if he goes to Burnley, yes, it might start off well for him, and he's got a chance to prove himself. But ultimately, you know, Southgate chose Pope over him, and possibly Heaton. So. It's it, it's it's a riddle within a riddle that that uh, that transfer. Okay, Walter, I'm going to hit you with a few others that are now confirmed. You don't have to comment on all of them, and it'll probably be a relief to uh, to some listeners to hear us talk about the same names every week. But here are the confer- the, the confirmed uh, outgoings. First of all, uh, Toshin Adarabayo to West Brom in a season-long loan. Confirmed is Jack Harrison, who was on tour with us, to Leeds. Uh, next is Luka Illich, who's a, a City player who has gone to NAC, NAC Breeder. Then our guy, Keen Bryan, uh, has gone to Sheffield United. Bursant Salina has gone to Swansea. And Alish Garcia has confirmed a second loan spell at Girona. That was interesting for me because Garcia scored when uh, Girona beat Tottenham 4-1 in a pre-season friendly there. So those are some names, and they're all confirmed. Uh, they're all out. I don't know if you've got any comment about that. Possibly not, but I just thought I'd run it by you. I think the, it seems to be whenever a player leaves to go on loan, very rarely did he come back mm. and get into that first-team squad, never mind the first team itself. Um, in many respects, you could argue that City are adopting slightly the Chelsea um, youth policy um, model where they, they, they hoover up all this talent and slowly but surely they, weed, they just weed it out, weed it out, weed it out but then they try and recoup money on it as well and with financial fair play we've just got £50 million a year coming in from Puma and we're, you know, ultimately we're getting decent money for a lot of these kids you know, once you start adding all the money up together and they get a fantastic footballing education at Manchester City. So you could argue that it's, it sets them up on, on a, it puts them in the spotlight for other teams then to sort of try and get on loan or try and purchase. So it seems we're adopting that sort of Chelsea model. And if it works for Chelsea, there's pros and cons, isn't there? Because you've got Lukaku and uh, Kevin De Bruyne who seem to get away. But I'm just hoping none of it comes around to bites on the backside anytime soon. But they need they need minutes in their legs. So sending them out on loan or selling them if they feel that they haven't got a future, you know, that's 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 just football, isn't it? Yeah, we'll have to wait in the coming days just to see if uh, the permanent deals have buyback options or sell-on clauses. Just for the sake of our fans, Jack Harrison has actually gone to Leeds. It's not a loan. Similar with uh, Selina, he's gone to Swansea and Keen Bryan has signed for Sheffield United. But the other ones, uh, Illich to NAC Breda and Alish Garcia, those are both uh, loans. I think one of the, uh, one of the final things, uh, Walter, that I'm going to ask you is just the unconfirmed situations, the situations that are still up on the air, and ask you uh, if you want to comment on any of them. 
The unconfirmed up-in-the-air situations are as follows. Zinchenko, Brahim Diaz, Lucas Nemecha, Eliakim Mangala, Luke Bolton and Eric Garcia. Those are the ones that uh, remain to be uh, dealt with. I don't know if you've got any comment about any of those. I get it. It's, uh, you've got to trust Pep's judgment. If Pepsi's a, um, if Pepsi's a future at Manchester City, if he sees that potential, you know, it, it basically you put them into three categories, don't you? you? You've got the ones that you keep, you've got the ones that you loan, and you've got the ones that you sell. If there's absolutely no future and don't see any promise, they're the ones you let go. If you think this kid could come good, they're the ones you loan out. For a lot of them, if you think to your Foden's of this world, if you think, hang on a minute, this guy's special. And you have to be, and if you look at, City had, what, 17, 18 players go to the World Cup. So the kind of standard that you have to be to get into that first team squad is unbelievably high. The ceiling is just off the charts. So, we, you know, you look at the amount of players that play at the CFA and you, you, they're not all going to get that chance. So, Ultimately, football is it's a business and it's a career business that shatters a lot of young men's dreams. And hopefully City look after these players whilst they're letting them go, you know, give them advice and almost uh, sort of, if you're loaning out, loan them out to teams that are going to benefit that player. That's the only thing you can hope for. OK, Walter, here's the last item on our agenda. Um, the newspapers have started doing it already and they call this pre-season predictions. So we have the journalists... Uh, lining up, and what they do is they project the, ch- the champions, the top four, the relegation candidates, who's going to win the FA and the League Cup, who they think will be promoted, and who will win the Champions League. So I'm going to play this game with you, and uh, you're on record, you're being recorded, so we're going to revisit this in a year's time and uh, see if you were right. So let's start off with something easy. Walter, who is your prediction? as Premier League champions? You can't look, you can't look beyond... <laughs> you, you just can't look beyond City, can you? You know, the, the, ultimately, you look at the bookies, they, every single bookie with uh, half a brain has got us down as favourites to win it. So, 100 points, a million goals. We're not going to get the 100 points, by the way. I don't think that. But as long as we win at the end of it and we win it comfortably, which I think we will, you know, you've got to be happy. Yes, every single journalist on the Daily Mail went for City and uh, the only one who opted for Liverpool was Martin Keown. Uh, I don't know uh, what you think about that, but um, who cares what he thinks, eh? Okay, so the second thing is, uh, who will join City in the top four? You've got to pick three teams who will join Manchester City in the top four. What do you think? Liverpool. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go Chelsea. Interesting. And... United and United. So uh, Tottenham and Arsenal. Uh, sorry, Tot- yeah, I think Tottenham and Arsenal are going to miss out. You think? Well, Arsenal got this new manager coming in with this whole new philosophy, and it's been a very comfortable club. So I, I, it's going to take time to adapt. I look at um, Tottenham. I don't know what's going on with this transfer window, but they don't seem to reinforce at all. No. They seem to be going backwards. I wouldn't blame Pochettino for leaving. Mm-hmm. I think Chelsea, although we looked at them yesterday, I think it's going to take Sarri a little bit of time to get his methods. But Napoli was Napoli were the best team I think we played last year. Yeah, I think they were absolutely fantastic. And you no, know, 
City did beat them twice, but oh my word, they, you know, they were exciting. And if he's given that time and opportunity, I can see, after a little rocky start, I can see them getting into the top four. Okay, next up is relegation candidates. A lot of the pundits have gone for newly promoted Cardiff and other teams like Huddersfield and Bournemouth. Um, Cardiff coming up with, um, who's their manager, Neil Warnock. Um, anyway, uh, Walter, do you have any uh, ideas about who the three relegation candidates might be? Um, it's always a tricky one, this. I think Huddersfield, I think they overperformed last year, so I'm going to go for Huddersfield. Okay. I'm looking at Neil Warnock in the Premier League. It's just Jurassic Park, isn't it? Not you a know, the guys in heaven, is it? <laughs> no, he's just a dinosaur. And after that terrible tackle in the cup last year, I hope they go down. Yeah. Um, do you know what I'm going to throw in? Go on. No. I was thinking Burnley. And the reason being... Every, a, lot of the, a lot of the pundits have picked them for coming just outside the top six. They're going to be a surprise one. It wouldn't surprise me if they come just outside the top six. But I think, to be honest, they're going to take this Europa League seriously. Uh-huh. And I think that's going to have a complete detrimental effect because it's only a small squad. Oh, so, they're, 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 me, they're me dark horse, the relegation. They're the ones I'm quite prepared to have pie smeared all over my face on. You know, oh, if, they, if they finish seventh, I like, I, think that I like Burnley as a club, but uh, they're just me surprise package. You've got to throw in a, a curveball, haven't you? My goodness. Well, you heard it here first, City fans. The, ri- <laughs> the rival for manager of the season to Pep Guardiola, Sean Dyches Burnley, to potentially go down. OK, let's move on. FA Cup. See. League Cup. Uh, I think Klopp might eventually lift a piece of silverware. He might lift a, a cup other than, the, other than his brew that he has most mornings in this country. Okay. Um, I'm not going to ask you unless you feel confident to answer who you think might get promoted. I don't know about you, but I don't follow the championship as much as other people do. Do you have any comments about that? No. I, I'd like to see Leeds come up. Uh-huh. I think that, I'd like to, just because they're a big club, I know. And that's the main reason, Bielsa. I okay. think uh, him, him every week on Match of the Day would just be absolute comedy gold. Did uh, you see the interview with him? Oh, gosh, that was so funny, wasn't it? It was like uh, a puppeteer and, his, and the puppet, wasn't it? It was so funny. Hey, it was just, the, I just thought... Yeah, uh, the, the final one is uh, the Champions League. Um, a lot of people, uh, strangely, a lot of the pundits were going for Juventus. Some went for Man City. Um, who would be your pick for the Champions League winner? Uh, I, it's a City podcast. I'm a City fan. I've got my blue spectacles on. It's got to be, We've got to... Yeah, City. I've got to go for City. It's going to be this big, clean, sweet, Pep's uh, third year. Everything's going to click. And we're going to w- wipe all before us. So I'm quite prepared to have a gummy face on that one as well. But, yeah. Gotta go. I don't think there's many City fans listening to this. Uh, I've got to disagree. Everyone's got to... You've got to dream, haven't you? It's going to be our year. I think I'll settle for that. Okay, Blues, that just about wraps it up for now. Be sure to tune in again next week to the Bolt from the Blue podcast. Walter is on Twitter at Man City Smith. Isn't that right, Walter? It is indeed. And I'm there too at Bolt from the Blue. Until then, drink it in and have one on us with the toast of Up the Blues. Oh. 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 Oh.